what you may be asking, what's that all about? Well, I'll, I'll explain that in a, in a moment. I was talking to Mich my wife, Michelle, and um, she made this offhand comment, not really making a point of it. It's just an observation about uh, how we as a couple, we as a family, like my kids and my, our bigger family, uh, and even our church family, how many people are tired and just exhausted. <clears throat> I hadn't thought much about it. But the fact of the matter is, when we get stressed, when we have big things to think about, right, it, it really does wear you out. Like, you, can, you don't have to do anything to get tired. You can just think about stuff, and it actually exhausts. It's exhausting. And if you just do that day in and day in and day in and, and day out, right, if you just keep doing that, like one day after the next, if you just line them up and keep, keep being stressed, keep being anxious, it eventually it wears on you. It literally depletes your body. It wears you out. <clears throat> so I decided back several weeks ago, uh, we're going to study the psalm. We're going to have a psalter summer, or summer psalter. I didn't know. Uh, so we're going to spend the summer in the psalms. Just as a way to kind of recharge. And then I stumbled across a book that's called Soul Detox. And um, this is a good book. I encourage you to listen to it or read it. I listen to it. I listen to it a couple times now. But uh, I encourage you to read it as well. <clears throat> but so, so that's kind of the foundation for this message series that we're doing. We're not going to do the book, right? If you want to read the book, it goes into a little more detail about this process of soul detox. But... Uh, but we're going to stay kind of on the periphery of it all. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, we all know this to be true. We're not a body with a soul, but we're a soul with a body, right? It, we, we, you've heard that before, probably. But it's very true. It's very true. So over the next several weeks, we're going to take, take a look at the things that, that toxify our bodies. A bit of the time will be in the Psalms. Um, but to start today, I want to start with the King James Version of creation. In it, I think it lays the foundation for this need for soul care that we have, that you and I have. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed the man of the, dust, of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. A living soul, like... like you were just, we were flesh, and then God gave us his spirit and filled us with his breath of life, which created us, made us into be a living soul. That we are a soul that has a body, that occupies a body. This past week, we've had some amazing sunsets, haven't we? I mean, haven't we? I mean, it was just awesome to go outside in the evening and just look at the sunset. I never made it to the beach because... Because usually that's where I go to see a pretty sunset. You didn't have to go to the beach to see a pretty sunset. You could see it anywhere. I mean, it was just gorgeous. Unfortunately, if you didn't know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what was going on for the longest time. I found out on, I think, Thursday, Friday maybe, uh, what was happening. My wife told me, she said, oh, yeah, so fire's in Canada. I was like, fire's in Canada? Like, what does that have to do with us? And then I, like, went online and had to read the news. And, you know, said, yeah, we were in a low-pressure front, so everything was kind of, we were like in a bowl, Right? And uh, so, so all that smoke was trapped here in this low-pressure system that, we were, that was over us. And so that's why we had these beautiful sunsets. Probably sunrise, too, but I, the dogs were out before sunrise, so I didn't get to see those. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, the, the sunsets were amazing, but, but I think Thursday, Friday, John A. texted me and said, hey, it's code purple. <clears throat> and 
what's code purple on it? I had to look that up. Uh, <laughs> but to limit outdoor activity, right? Because the air quality is so bad. So if you have respiratory issues, you don't want to go out there cutting the grass or running a weed eater or doing whatever. You want to, you want to limit all that stuff. <clears throat> because we know that smoky air is not good for your lungs, especially if you have a, a, breathing, a breathing condition, right? But did you know that air pollution, air pollution, like that smoke from those Canadian fires, is one of the biggest factors for emotional problems in people as well. Did you know that? I didn't either. Uh, but it's true. Matter of fact, there was a, a series of studies back in 2019 that found that, that air pollutants, specifically smoke, were inexorably linked to anxiety, depression, Bipolar disorder, psychosis, and suicidal thoughts and behaviors. Air pollution. Why? Well, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense, right? We, we take in toxins into our body that just through our nose, right? It doesn't matter if they give you a shot or you, you eat it or whatever. It's, the toxins are getting into our body. They get into our bloodstream, and they go straight to our brains, right? And they, have, they affect some people differently because of the ways our brains, our brains are wired. The chemicals affect the way we think. So it's possible, it's important, right, that you would limit your exposure to toxins, right? Like you don't go looking to increase them in your life, you want to limit them. So Code Purple says, don't go out there if you've got a condition that might exacerbate this, so, so, so you didn't go outside, right? But, but we don't think about the, emo the, the mental aspect of it all. But knowing that it's true, that, that it's been studied and it's, there's a link between the two, it makes you think that, well, what else would cause a problem with my mental condition? All kinds of foods do that? My wife, is, uh, she's done a lot of reading about this that, and study on this with her career of how different foods affect us emotionally, right? How there are huge links to all the, 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 the cleaning supplies we use in our homes, about how that affects our brains. And so my wife is very particular about cleaning supplies and, and ingredients and food and, and all that sort of thing. And, and to me, it's like, well, yeah, whatever. And she says, oh, no, it matters, so we're going to do it this way. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, so, so she's pretty particular about that stuff because she studied the links between the two. But remember, we're not just, and so we're doing all that for our bodies. But remember, we're not just a body with a soul. We're actually a soul that has a body. So while it's important to detoxify our bodies, it's important for us to detoxify our souls as well. Wouldn't it be? So over the next four weeks, this week and three more, we're going to look at exactly how we can detoxify our souls. Because, let's face it, our environment is not conducive to holiness and righteousness. Can I get an Amen. There are plenty of distractions. There are plenty of things that enter into your body, into your mind, into your, into your physical body. However, because of our world. I mean, some of you right now, your, your phone probably vibrating and you're sitting here thinking, I don't know what he said because I can't, I'm wondering who it is that just texted me. Right? Because we get distracted. So our souls get distracted. Next week, we're going to look at the burdened soul burdened soul, and then we're going to consider a, a tortured soul, and then the fourth week we're going to look at the seduced soul. But today I want to start with more of a kind of a broad overlook at, a, at them all and, and looking at the restless soul, the curse of the restless 
soul. Why are we so restless? Why are we restless? It goes back to the beginning, Genesis. We know Adam and Eve, their fall, but the next chapter, chapter 4, tells us another story of, of exactly, more specifically, this restlessness when it entered in. Genesis chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It's the Cain and Abel. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground he, that, that God put the curse upon Cain. But you opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. This was our ancestor. The curse of the restless soul that you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you were just kind of wandering through life? Or through a phase of life? Like, like you're, you're restless. You're just restless. So you, you, you're going from one thing to another to another. Here's the newsflash for you. It's not that something's wrong with just you. It's not just your problem. Well, it is your problem, but, but it's all our problems. Right? We all are affected by this. It's something that all of us have to, have to deal with. It's a problem of humanity. It's something that we all have a tendency to, is restlessness. Because we're looking for someone to be something that only God can be. Or we're, looking, we're chasing significance that only God can provide. Or we're pursuing possessions that only God can give. So we're a restless wanderer. We're going from one thing to another, trying to find the very things that only God can provide. A restless soul is searching but never finding. The restless soul is interested in everything but satisfied with nothing. Nothing satisfies. You see, restlessness isn't just your problem. It's our problem. It's a problem that's common to all of us living under the curse of the fall, were all affected. Adam and Eve, even if you go back before Cain and Abel, there was Adam and Eve who, who ate the forbidden fruit, right? Why did they do that? Because they wanted something that, for the, they wanted to provide for themselves. They wanted to be God. We want to provide for ourselves. We get restless because God's not providing like he ought to, and so we pursue it. We go out looking for it. Interested in everything, but satisfied with none of it. So we go through life like it's Saturday morning at Sam's Club. We go from one tasting station to the next, to the next, to the next. Am I the only one who does that? I don't think so. I don't think so. I go from all of them. I hit them all up. But that's how we live our lives sometimes. Then we go here, oh, that's pretty good. Can I get another one? Sure. And then you go to the next one. And you're like, how about those egg rolls? Yeah, get some of those egg rolls. Always searching for the thing that will satisfy and not staying in any one of them long enough to get what I'm actually looking for. And so our brains, our bodies are always running, always on to the next thing, always keep going, keep going, keep going. It's as if we're chasing something that we can never catch. Chasing, running a race that will never finish. Solomon, who had been given the extraordinary wisdom by God, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the very beginning of the book, 
He said, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. Chasing after the wind. Chasing after the wind. We're not going to find it. We're chasing after stuff that we're never going to find because what we're looking for isn't there. He goes on and he, in chapter 2, verse 22, he says, So what do people get at in this life? For all their hard work, all their anxiety, their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds can't rest. You ever find, you ever find that to be true? You, you bust your hiney all day long. You get home, you just all you want to do is relax, and you can't. All you want to do is, because you're thinking about, oh, oh tomorrow I've got to do this and this and this. You've got a list of things you've got to do, and so you're start, you just start churning through that list can't rest. He says it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. Day and night, we're restless. And we're raising a generation of restless kids. We're, we're, I mean, you're, maybe you're grandparenting a generation of restless kids. We, we sign them up for everything because we want their lives to be better than the one we had, so we sign them up for stuff. We, we give them all kinds of things to entertain them, and, and, and all we're teaching them is they want they know they want more. That's what they really know they need. More. Because what we've given them so far didn't satisfy. So maybe we're good teachers after all. Because we're teaching them the very same thing that we already know. Or we think we know. Is that meaning is found in what we have and what we do. And that's a lie. And so we see our kids stressed out, confused, depressed, anxious. And we wonder, why? Why, would, why are kids going having such a hard time these days? Because they're trying to live like us. And we can't do it either. We all acknowledge that our bodies need rest. What about our souls? What about our souls? Where do we find rest for our souls? It's not a trick question. Where do we find rest for our souls? God. God. And not just in God, but in God alone. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Psalm 62 to David. David, he wrote, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He's the only place that I can find the very thing that my heart yearns. No other person, no other experience, no other dream. No, nothing can give the, the eternal rest, the in, internal rest, like the presence of God. Nothing else provides. Augustine, I believe I have it here. Yeah. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. It's a powerful quote. And our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. You've made us for yourself, O Lord. And our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. See, that's what, that's what Cain, that was the curse of Cain. You're going to be a restless wanderer. Because you're going to be looking for things to satisfy, to give you significance, the very thing you killed your brother for. You're going to be searching for that, and you're never going to find it. You're a restless wanderer. And that's our curse. But that's not the end of the story, right? That's the beginning of the story. The end of the story is Matthew 11. The end of the story is found in Matthew 11 when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Where's our rest found? Where's the, where's the, the place where, 
where we find the thing that we're looking for? In Christ. So don't invite people to church. Invite them to Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls in Christ. Just sit on there for a minute. Come to me, Jesus says, and I'll give you rest. But you've got to come to me. So how do we find rest in God? One thing I love about the Bible, one thing I love about the Bible in a relationship with Christ, is that he doesn't hide himself. God doesn't, God doesn't say, okay, I uh, appreciate you recognizing that you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell. You know, now figure out the life that you're supposed to live. <laughs> like, that's not the way God works. God says, uh, here's my word. Just do what it says. Just, just do what it says. Like, I'm not going to make it. You don't have to decipher it. You don't have to figure it out. You don't even, praise be to God, we don't even have to learn Greek or Hebrew. To, it, it's already been interpreted for us. Right? You don't have to figure out the right formula. You don't have to spark, you know, parse all the words and, and figure out all the tenses and everything. You can do all that stuff if you want to. Great. But you don't have to do all that. All you have to do is do what my word says. He says. He makes it clear. He made it very clear for the Israelites. So very clear that when they came out of Egypt, right, he gave them the law. He gave them his word. And he gave a set of ten commandments. He wrote them on stone. And the fourth one says this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your home. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all this, in but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it whole. The Sabbath. Often I think how rarely I take this commandment literally. Legitimately. Right? The rest of the commandments I think are a pretty big deal. Right? Man, I got my mouth washed out for soap. Were you cussing? I, I, I grew up knowing to love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? I, 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 I don't steal. At least I try not to. I don't think it's like I can't remember last, but I have. Uh, but I don't remember the last time I did, right? I, I try not to lie about my neighbor. I, I try not to covet my neighbor's stuff. I'm I, uh, faithful to my wife. I, I hadn't murdered anybody lately. Uh, like I, I, pretty in, I try to live pretty intentionally not wanting to break any of those Ten Commandments. Like I'm, I, okay, I'm not, I don't do the letter of the law like Jesus would say. There's plenty of, you've got plenty of work you need to do, brother. But, but I, I don't intentionally go out looking to break any of them. Except this one. Except this one, because I plan stuff for that day. Sabbath? I plan stuff. I, I do. I intentionally try to break this commandment. So, so what makes it different? What makes it different? Why, why, don't we, why don't we take it as seriously as we do not committing murder? Why don't, we take this, why don't we take this one as serious as being faithful to your spouse? Why is this commandment different? 
Just like we teach our kids to be anxious by filling their schedules up, running, running, running everywhere from this to that and everything else. I got to thinking how I was showing you all, how I was showing you all to ignore the Sabbath by my busyness. I'm, I'm, I'm modeling it for you. Sabbath is how we find rest in God. It's taking a Sabbath. First part of that is being still before the Lord. To be still before the Lord. This is what it looks like for you. To be still before the Lord. In Psalm 46, verse 10, David's writing again. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, God said to David. Be still and know that I am God. Instead, we live our lives like the, you know, the three-year-old in the back seat. Well, I guess three-year-olds are still strapped in the car seat. But back in the day, they weren't. Where were we? We were free to reign in that back seat. And mom or dad would look back and say, if you boys don't be still, I'm coming back there. And we'd look at each other like, no, they ain't. And we'd keep right on going. Right? And then somebody would reach around and go to swiping at us. Right? You can't get a, a little kid to be still. It's a joke. Come on. Like, like, let's go see Pedro down in South Carolina. Then I'll be still. Wear me out. Like, stop somewhere that's fun. Let me burn up some energy. And then maybe I'll go to sleep. Sit down and be quiet. But that's, so that's how we find ourselves living our lives, just racing around like a little kid. But David, as he matured in his faith, as David matured in his faith, he said this, my heart is not proud, Lord. He's, he's been humbled before the Lord. He says, my eyes aren't haughty. I don't concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. I've humbled myself before the Lord, he says. I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. He's submitted. He's been humbled. He's been brought low before God. And so now, he rests in God. One time I was, years ago, I was working with a, a Christian coach. And uh, he was helping me work through some things in the, the, in the work that I was doing. And, and uh, he challenged me, he asked me about my Sabbath. He said, so, so what's your Sabbath practice like? And I was like, uh, I want to. He said, no, 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 so, so what do you do? Typically for your Sabbath, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm pretty busy. And I'm a type A person, I'm, it's kind of hard for me to, like, he said, those are all excuses. So what do you do? And I said, well, honestly, I, I usually just put it on my schedule and don't do it, honestly. Like, I have a day that I take as my Sabbath, but I usually don't do anything for, for my Sabbath. I usually just cut the grass or whatever, you know. He said, well, try this. He said, this will be easy for you then. He said, on your next Sabbath, just take five minutes. The next time you have a Sabbath, just take five minutes and just be still before the Lord. I thought, how silly is that? Like, five minutes... I said, trust me, Craig, this is not going to solve my, my issues. Like, five minutes. And I left, and I'm thinking, like, how pointless is this? It's silly. Five minutes is not going to help. It's completely insignificant enough to make any difference. Until that next Monday when I said, okay, here we are, Lord. You're amazing. And that was about 18 seconds. And then for the next four minutes and 42 seconds, I was going through all the things that I was going to do the rest of the day. <laughs> Right? 
Like, I, I couldn't. Five minutes, <laughs> I left there like, are you kidding me? Five minutes? I can't think about anything but myself in five minutes. I'm like, how can I get out of my own head for five minutes? That's, I, he completely changed the way I thought about it, right? I, I, I told him, as, as when we got back together the next week or a couple weeks later, I can't remember, but the next time we got together to talk, he asked me, how, how'd it go? Like, what was that five minutes like? And I had to come to the truth that what that five minute taught me was that I'm enslaved to a whole bunch of things that I couldn't separate myself from. Them. I'm in bondage to that. Maybe you are too. Maybe you, Tim Keller, pastor, I believe he just passed away, uh, he said that, that the very thing that keeps us from a Sabbath is the very thing that enslaves us. The thing that enslaves us is what keeps us from it. You may be thinking, I don't have time to be still before God for, for a day. I could probably do five minutes, but not much more than that. I think I've got bills to pay, got a yard to mow, got dinner to make, got errands to run, diapers to change maybe. I've got important stuff that, that frankly only you can do. You don't have time to be still. You thinking that way? You're already thinking, like, how would I ever do that? How would I fit a whole day before the Lord to be still? How would I do that too much to do. You don't have time not to be still. You need to be still. If you've got that much to do, then you don't have time not to. Be still before the Lord. The second part of the Sabbath is to wait for God. It's to wait upon the Lord. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. No, you wait before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. I don't like to wait for anything. I don't. Right? I don't know how to wait. I've shared with you before but that my, my practice in the grocery store is what's next? What's next? What's next? Right? My wife hates it. Drives her crazy. She won't even let me go with her usually because all, I just want the next thing. I want to get it all, get the list done so we can go to the next thing. Right? I mean, I want patience, <laughs> but I want it now, right? I don't want to have to wait for patience. I don't want to have to, like, I, won't, I just want to be at peace. I don't want to have to do what's necessary to be, find peace. I just want it. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week. I think it was Francis Chan that I was listening to. I can't remember, but uh, he's written a bunch of books. And, uh, he, he always speaks in a way that's fresh to my ears. And he was talking about how he connects with God, how he waits for the Lord. He was talking about his daily practice of getting up and reading the Bible. And he just said that, you know, we leave a Bible open in the kitchen. And so when I get up to go make coffee in the morning, the Bible's already there. It's already open. I don't have to look for one. It's already right there. I just start reading. And he said, when I, when I read, I start reading. And I read the passage again. And I read the passage again. He said, I don't read to finish. I read to connect. I read it, the same passage, I'll read again, and again, and again, and I keep reading it until I feel the Lord's presence. Because I'm reading scripture to connect with God, not to get it done. That's how many of us do our devotions, right? Is to get them done. We're, we're missing out on the one who wants to spend time with us. 
Instead, pick your devotion and, and maybe get a little, a little earlier and just read it to connect. You don't have to read the, the thing that somebody else thought about, how they interpreted the passage. No, just read the scripture and read it again and again and again until you connect with the Lord. And then you can do all the extra stuff. But first, connect. Connect. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning, I wait for the Lord. This is David, right? And he's got, David's got everybody and his brother chasing him, wanting to kill him. So he's obviously, he has watchmen on the wall. But David doesn't have his hope in those watchmen getting the word out when trouble comes. No, David's hope is in the Lord. Not in the watchmen, but in the Lord. So I wait upon the Lord. As you wait, waiting to hear, to, to, to get an awareness of God's presence with you, it might be good to ask yourself some questions as you wait. You might write these down because they're pretty good. Asking God, what do you want to say to me? As I read this passage again and again, what are you trying to say to me? What, what is here for me? For me. What are you trying to show me? As I, as I reflect back on my day, on my, my, my life, what are you trying to show me? What, what, God? And finally, what do you want to do in me? What are you trying to do in me in the next? What are you doing? How are you, how are you stirring my soul? Because we can get caught up in that in that time of waiting before the Lord that we bring to Him all the things that, that aren't right in our life. You know, we don't have the job that we want. I don't have the marriage that I want. I don't have the ministry that I want. I don't, want, I don't have the health that I want. And so we bring all that before God. And, and instead, take it, taking a Sabbath, we, we be still before the Lord and wait for the Lord. What, what are you doing in this? Show me. I'm, I'm content to, to be in whatever shape you have me, Lord. In your presence. Just tell me. What are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to do in me? Because that's what I want. You, God. So we be still before God. We wait for God. And then third, we reflect on God's goodness. We reflect on God's goodness. Because as we think about all that, all, that, all that we have to do, right? That's where our minds go when we get still. It's all the, the list. Instead of thinking about all that we have to do, maybe, how, maybe we can begin to train ourselves to think about all that he has done. This should be easy for people like Marietta. She can train a cat to do tricks. <clears throat> she should be able to do this hands down, right, Marietta? This should, be, this should be cake for you. <clears throat> She's got a trick cat. Y'all didn't know that. We need to, <clears throat> we could pray over the cat, have the cat in for tricks one day. Uh, but, <clears throat> no, this, David again, psalmist, in one, six, Psalm 116. He says, he's telling himself here, Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. He's talking to himself here. For you have delivered, God, you have delivered my soul from death my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. So I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. 
He's thinking about all the stuff that he has, like all the pressures that life has, but no, no, no. Instead of dwelling on the pressures that life has, he allows the pressures of life to remind him of all that God has already done. So that's how we need to train ourselves to, to, to see the events of our life like a dashboard. That instead of, a, instead of a looking through the windshield at what's next, we need to look at the dashboard and allow that to kind of prompt us to remember what God has already done. Allow the memories or the thoughts of tomorrow become the reminders of yesterday that we can praise God for what he's already done in our lives. That's what David does here. You've delivered my soul from death. You've saved me. You've, my, my eyes from tears. You've delivered me. My feet from stumbling. Every morning, here for the last week or so, I, I stumbled across this, uh, this guy on Facebook. Uh, and every day he does this video in the morning. He's, a, he's from my part of the world. He's from down in Arkansas. He's like a cattle farmer down there or something. So he, he comes up with all these, he makes this little 20-minute video every morning, and it's, he combines some scripture in there, but a lot, of, a lot of just like, you know, folksy wisdom, country wisdom, you know. He's got some funny stories that he tells about his neighbors and stuff. It's, it's really, I, I, it's, I get a kick out of it every day. So he's, I'm starting to listen to him. The day before yesterday, he puts up this video about his horses. And we've got these two horses. We've got two more on the way, but we've got these two horses, and they are what they call buddy sour. You never heard of that. That's what they call it when they're just, they're, you separate them and they go crazy. They, I mean, they, they hate to be apart from each other. And so he's got these two horses that are buddy sour, and he's working with one. And so I'm watching, you know, it gets my attention because he's dealing with a horse that we've got the same problem. And so he's, he's, on the video, he's describing what he's doing, right? And so, but it, he's doing it on Facebook Live, which that means nothing to most of you, but to me at the time, it meant a lot because everything on Facebook Live is opposite. So it flips everything. It puts everything in the mirror, right? So everything that's the right is actually the left, and everything that's to the left. So he's describing what he's doing using directions, right, left, right, left, right, left, except it's backwards. So I am really confused, right? It's like some of you are right now. Like you're like, what is he talking about? Because, yeah, that's how I felt. Was like, I wanted to understand this, and yet the confusion of directions that he kept giving me, they don't line up. And it took me forever to figure out that, oh, oh, it's backwards. It's backwards. Oh, I need to, I need to reframe how I'm watching this. That's what we need to do for our lives. We need to reframe those memories when they come to us and the thoughts about tomorrow. No, nope. Instead of thinking about tomorrow, I'm going to think about what, what he's already done. Like when those thoughts come to us when we're in our Sabbath, when we're waiting before the Lord, we need to remember that God has been faithful. We need to remember what he has already done. We need to switch it around, not like a mirror before us, but, but a, to look at God, to see the Lord in everything that has happened to us. Not, oh my goodness, it's something so terrible, or oh, I'm so stressed. No, but God is so good. God is amazing. He has shown up again and again. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Those are all the things that I need. He does that. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. You see, the stresses, the anxieties of our life need to point us to God, not to us. Point us to God. And that's only going to happen when we get still before him. So we need to identify the things that keep us from the Sabbath. Because that is what enslaves us. 
before the Lord. That's my encouragement for you today. To get before the Lord and find rest for your soul. To cure the restlessness, the restless heart by getting in the presence of God. He, he gave us a Sabbath for a reason. Because he knows our hearts are easily distracted. And we need to regularly come before him. Not in church, but just you. Just you and him. So I'm going to sing the song here in a moment that I love. The opening verse of it reads this way. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. No matter what comes, no matter what life brings to me, I can say, it is well with my soul. I know we can sing that song, but to live that life, it's going to take us on Sabbath. It's going to take a Sabbath to live that life. I'd like to pray for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. That you call us to a wonderful life. And at times that life seems so far off that we've got so much going on, so many important things in our life right now that how can we ever get to where you want us to be. And we fret, and we worry, and we stress, and we work, and we toil, and we push, and we pull. And... Forgive us. Forgive us for forgetting that, that you're the way. You're the truth and the life. That, that you are the way for us to enter into the life that you created us to live. But if we just seek you, if we seek you with our whole heart, you provide for us. You provide the way. Thank you. We love you. Amen. Amen. We are going to sing here in just a moment, but before we do that, I want to uh, just remind you that we're having a cookout this afternoon. Uh, hopefully you let Donna know that you were coming over. Uh, Donna, wave your hand so people don't know, don't know your phone number. We're having a, a grill night tonight uh, as a charge. Uh, we're just, we're all going over to the Edwards house and Charles is cooking. And uh, no, <laughs> we cook and we bring it to their house. So, so uh, my wife has had shoulder surgery. So I take suggestions. If you know something easy that I can cook. <laughs> uh, or that she can cook with one hand, I guess. That would be <laughs> That's wrong. No, I would not. Just <laughs> suggestions of things I could bring. Somebody already told me this morning, bring ice. I said, can't do that. Charles got an ice maker. <laughs> That's a, not a good suggestion. Uh, but anyway, hopefully y'all can join us at 6 o'clock, right? 6 o'clock there. They live around on Walnut Street. If you don't know where that is, if you don't know where they live, just come find them after church, and uh, they'll give you direction. Hopefully you can join us, and we'll have a great little cookout this evening. All right? Amen. Let's stand and sing together.